Hey there, everybody. Thanks for listening to Downstage Dallas. Today, I am talking about the most interesting production of Spring Awakening that I have ever seen. And I'm trying so hard to avoid saying something cheesy like they're thinking outside the box for this one. No, because for this show, they're literally putting actors inside of a box. I'm talking with the artistic director of East Dallas Arts, Tom Parr. Let's go. This idea that you have of actually putting actors in a box is, is obviously um, a, in response to current precautions about physical distancing. Let me try to paint a picture here. You have each actors, your 12 actors in a closet sized plexiglass box. Help me paint this picture a little bit better. How, how big are these boxes that each actor is standing in? Well, each each panel of plexi is four by four. It's four by eight panel. It's a four by eight panel. So they are, if you think about it, we have made a square on the floor. Four by four. Four, four by four that goes up eight feet. So there are twelve of those, uh, six on upstage and then we drop down about two two and a half feet and then we have six more in front of them one thing that you described was that the glare from the regular stage lights would be a problem on the on the plexiglass so you're actually lighting the boxes individually from inside yeah so that was something that i mean we knew it might be an issue but we realized you know anytime you have anything reflective on, with lighting, you're gonna have an issue. But if you're lighting the actor from inside, you're not gonna have that glare hitting, hitting, the, uh, hitting the plexi. So we went out and were able to look into some LED strip lighting that you see at you know people who have homes or, or put them around their TVs or their furniture underneath their beds to kind of give them a new vibe. And the technology has come so far that when they're only inside of a four by four foot area, they're really only standing about a foot and a half to two feet back from these lights that are hitting them from three sides, um, from the top and, the, and both left and right, or depending on where they're at on stage from the bottom and left and right. So they're getting a full spectrum of color that we would have from any of the new LED lighting technology theatrically, but they're getting it um, from a strip. And is it correct that when I was at your rehearsal, it seemed that the the lighting had become part of the choreography? Do they each have buttons controlling their own lighting? Well, Jeremy, the director, is we're, we're just being precautious right now because this is so new. There's so many things that we're just trying to figure out as we go. Mm -hmm. um, we weren't quite sure how easily we were going to be able to control each one of these strip lights is Bluetooth and Wi-Fi, So we do have the ability to control them um, with an iPad or phone or computer, but we just weren't sure how reliable that was going to be. And if we were going to be able to change them all at once, but each, each of those lights have an on off switch that reminds it of its last um, look 
because we can have so many different colors. So basically he's just, they, they've gone in and then choreographed on and off so that it's there so that the actors know if we need to do this, we know exactly when to turn on the light, when to turn it off so that it's just a part of the show. One of the concepts that, that Jeremy has with this show is that these students, these young people, they're trapped inside their minds. They're not connecting with each other, with the outside world. They're, they're struggling. And so the only thing they have control of is inside their heads, right? And so these, these cubes, these, these lights, everything that happens are the only thing they have control over. So them actually turning on their lights is them becoming present in the moment. So it really works for, for the show. That is such a good point. And that's something that your actors said to me when I was at rehearsal. They said that not only are the boxes uh, an adaptation to the times, but that it's, it fits well with the story. And I hadn't thought about that. And that's exactly how they described it, that they're, they are kind of, each of the characters has some sort of disconnect or a wall up. And that's kind of what the boxes serve an additional purpose as. And I think that's why the show fits so well with what we're trying to do. I mean, if you think about Spring Awakening, if you think about, you know, the, these young people who are, you know, frustrated with their adult world, you know, I, as a parent of a teenager, I know that they're simply sitting back there going, you know, with all the animosity from the left and the right and politically and with COVID and being trapped in their rooms in their houses and not being able to see people and not be able to communicate in the way that they're, you know, one-on-one -on -one like they're supposed to, getting ready to go back to school. And go back to school means going back on the computer in their room um, or going to a school pod or, or, or something like that, or going to school, but being inside a totally different situation they're experiencing something that none of us have ever experienced. So when you think about Spring Awakening and these, these people, these children and, and, and teens in this show and their awakening um, in so many different ways of thinking, it really fits with what these kids are struggling through today. And so I think that's why they've connected so, so strongly to it. You've mentioned a couple times now your director, Jeremy. Jeremy Landon Hayes, very impressive resume, both on stage and on uh, uh, screen. He's fantastic. Uh, we're extremely fortunate that um, he was in New York working um, mm -hmm. when COVID hit. He's a Broadway actor. He's, I think he was last seen in Dallas regionally when he, when he came through with the tour of Les Mis. Um, but he was in Phantom of the Opera for a while on Broadway. Uh, he's done some other Broadway and regional theater work. Uh, and he's um, he was actually producing and working on a, on a new piece to go to Broadway when COVID hit. Um, his wife is from here. His wife and I had worked together in the past um, with Second Thought Theater and, and some other stuff when she was in college. And he came back into town and we kind of had not known, we did not know each other, um, but we just kind of chatted about both of us wanting to keep theater going. I mean, here we are, we have the space, we have this building and it's empty. And what can we do? I mean, a lot of, a lot of Broadway shows, you know, they have so much 
overhead that they have to cover and they have so much mm -hmm. cost and, and so many contracts that they have to work through to make things work. But when we're a smaller company with the space that we have, um, you know, our flexibility is much higher. So we're able to, you know, I'm not saying take chances on the health of the actors. That's not what I mean when I say take chances, but take chances on, can we make this work? Can we pull off this concept being as safe as humanly possible um, and having them in the same space? And so we just kind of got excited about talking about that. And he has so many wonderful ideas and he's really inspired them. And watching these young actors from, I believe that our age range is about 15 to 23, 24, um, somewhere in that range. Uh, they've responded really well to him and um, it's been, it's been fantastic. I mean, he's connecting with them on, on a really, really strong level. And he's actually going to be teaching some master classes for us. We've got that posted on our social media and website too. So he's going to be offering master classes for uh, students um, in the preteen ages, in the teenage ages, and also for adults uh, master classes that we eventually will have inside these containers that we've talked about. So people can still have a one-on-one, -on -one, but you're safe inside your box, you know, and again, these boxes, not only are they plexi um, and we have the ways to clean them and wipe them down after each person is inside of them, but they have microphones that are hanging mics so that we don't ever have to have the actors touch the mic. They don't have to, you know, strap them to them or hold it, put their mic, their mouth on them. Um, so each, each actor will have their own mics, their own lighting, their own box and you know, so I, we're hoping that it makes it as safe as possible. So these boxes are really going to be reusable for other purposes. It's not just this show. If you're using them for classes, would you possibly be using them for the next show and the next show possibly? Well, we, we actually came up with a four show season uh, just for the fall. So we're going to be doing four shows back to back to back, potentially five shows back to back to back. Uh, and then our goal is to keep going, you know, after Christmas to keep grabbing shows. And we're going to do shows inside of these boxes for as long as we need to do shows inside the boxes. And if we can, and we can move them, you know, they're just like walls, they're flat. So if we have a show with smaller cast, we can make them larger and, and have fewer actors on the stage. We can move them around in, in multiple different ways, just like any kind of set would be done. But for right now, they're going to stay the 12 because we didn't just think about Spring Awakening. We thought about the next shows to come as well. When, when will you be revealing the rest of your season? Because well, now I'm really well, curious. Can, okay, so I can tell you right now, we're, we're currently waiting for one show to get back to us on if we have the rights for it. But we're really hoping if we don't do it next, we'll do it in January. We've just got to fit it in. But I want to do uh, Your Good Man, Charlie Brown, because if you the concept for that one for me was perfect because we've got these boxes and we read Peanuts in boxes. So we set it up to where it looks like a comic strip and each actor is a part of their comic strip and we can freeze frame and we can have these different poses that they hit so that we actually live out the comic strip that they're in. You know, so Snoopy and the doghouse is in one and, you know, Mm -hmm. Charlie Brown is 
is in one and you've got Lucy with her little, you know, stand or holding the football and, and all of that kind of stuff. Schroeder with his, his little piano. I'll, I'll tell you that the other two shows were doing a, a unique version of night of the living dead. Mm-hmm. Again, this is based off of, this is an adaptation that I'm going with that I'm writing. Um, where we really play off the idea of everybody being afraid right now of wearing masks, of being stuck inside. And so we're playing with that one. And then finally we're doing a parody uh, during Christmas of called a Christmas line, which is a parody of a chorus line again, to work with the boxes. And because of the boxes that we have, each box represents a Christmas toy that's going to be wrapped and they are being auditioned by Santa and the head elf to be, to go onto his sleigh. So we have characters of all, all you can imagine of uh, toys from GI Joe to Barbie and everything in between to fit into this parody for students to play. Are all of your shows um, cast of kids or do adult shows? Well, I mean, Spring Awakening is definitely an adult show. Right, that right. Happens, you know, even though there's some teenage uh, people in it. Um, right now, we've kind of focused on some of the teenage kind of realm because that's a lot of the students that I've worked with because I was um, the chair of the arts at St. John's Episcopal School for nine years. Uh, I have a daughter who's at Booker T. And so I have a lot of connection with, you know, students who are at SMU or other colleges around here, uh, high schools and middle schools in the area. But we do, our goal is to open up to all ages, um, especially as we move forward. We have another show that I'm not going to announce right yet because we're hoping that we get the rights to it any day now. But Jeremy would also be directing that show. And that's a that's a full adult cast um, show that we would be doing for that one. Okay. Some good teases. I always like that. You've mentioned now a couple of times some some more of your background, like, for instance, the Second Thought Theater, and then you just said um, St. John's Episcopal. East Dallas Arts is a, is a pretty new company, so tell me a little bit about your background and then the, the beginning of, of East Dallas Arts. Well, I've been doing theater here in Dallas um, I moved here in 2001, right after 9-11 or right during 9-11 when that was happening, I was visiting here and just decided to stay. Um, I had been working as a touring stage manager in TD um, at a number of different places out of New York. And I came here and we started Second Thought Theater along with the, you know, the, the crew with that with Stephen Walters and, and Mike Schrader, who's now the head of Katie Studios acting program. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the, the other the other guys with, with Second Thought. And I was a part of that for about three and a half years. And then, you know, people change. We have different things that we have want to do with our lives. And we're all young in our 20s. So I went on and, and kind of worked at some different theaters directing around. And then I, I went the route of having a wife and children. And so I, I, you know, with second thought, I was doing these shows that were like really edgy. And I was always trying to pick the shows that were going to push the envelope as much as possible on what we could do on stage. And I also matured and, you know, I have this other 
viewpoint now as a father. And so I, mm-hmm. I, I had Nuvo 47 theater in fair park for a couple of years that I ran. I did some shows out of there and then I just, for about, about six years, I stepped away from professional theater or any kind of theater outside of uh, school, um, mainly because my kids missed me. Um, mm. You know, I, I had to look at it and my, my daughters were like, dad, you're always gone. We never see you. And I had to think, you know, five to 10 years from now, they're going to be completely different people. And I'm not going to be much different than I am right now. So I stepped away. And, you know, now my girls are almost 11 and 16. And it was it was the right time. And they wanted to do shows and and East Dallas Arts, again, doesn't just focus on adult theater, we are uh, the broad scope of theater, we want to have a lot of children in the area, we want to be able to hire everybody from, you know, the mother or father who did theater when they were in high school and want to get back and do it again to the professional actor, to the students and kids who want to pursue that at Booker T or Woodrow or any of the private schools in the area or public schools. Uh, We've done two shows. We did one show as a test run at uh, St. John's my last year there called Putnam County Spelling Bee. Mm -hmm. And we did it there. We had seven different schools represented in that show. Um, and it was, it was a great time. And, and myself and the executive director of East Dallas Arts, that's Amy Coolis. And none of this could be done without her. She's been phenomenal. So Amy was, um, and her husband were parents of some students that I had taught. And she started realizing that she was going to be a few years away from having an empty nest. And this was a passion of hers. And I'd been wanting to get back and doing theater outside of just the school. And so we kind of got together and, and formed this company. And well, we've grown a board from there and we were looking last year for a space and it took a little while. And I, I believe it was around December, we moved into this building that we have now that you were at the other day and we renovated it. It was an old um, movie rental place. I mean, it, it looked like it looked like the nineties. I mean, it was just, everything mm-hmm. was purple. It looked like Saved by the bell decorated the inside. Yeah. And a lot of angles, a like, lot of, uh, Oh, triangles on the wall. Everything was geometric and pastel and the carpet was like movie tickets and big popcorn, you know, it was like, it looked like showtime or something. So we, we gutted the whole place and, and we put up a uh, 13 by Jason Robert Brown which is a show about adolescence, you know, and, and becoming teenagers and going into that world. And we had a cast of about uh, 18 kids who did that. And it opened up at the end of February and we had two weeks of a run and we closed the show and we said, okay, we'll come back in a few days and we will, you know, get rid of everything and close it down. And, get ready for the next show. And as everybody else knows, mid-March, no one went back to work after that. So the the theater was pretty much empty. And we had had plans to do summer camps. We had plans to do multiple more shows. And just like every theater and, and arts program and so many bars and restaurants and everything, we were for closed. Yeah, so this was a way for us to keep going. It was almost kind of, um, I mean, of, of course, no one wanted to 
to close for the length of time that things have had to close, obviously. But it was kind of a bit of a blessing for you that at least for that first show, you got to finish your scheduled run as, as planned. You know, that, that first show, getting that up off the ground and finishing it and not being cut off right in the middle of it like so many people were. Oh, no, absolutely. We had sold out houses the entire second weekend, standing room, people trying to get in. It was it was a great run. We, you know, it was met all of our expectations. The students had a wonderful time. The, the talent that we had on that stage was just phenomenal. And the families that came to support it and the neighborhood of, of the East Dallas neighborhood, you know, where we're at, because we're really close to the border of Richardson uh, and Dallas and Garland. And we just had a number of people come out who just wanted to support the fact that there was some kind of arts entertainment to do in that area. Um, and so it was really great and we felt very welcome. And yeah, we, we did get to finish the run and we didn't get to do the next show, but we finished the run. And so that success has held on. And those, those actors and those families and the people who started to get involved, they're still hungry to do more. Now we only have one performer from 13 who's in this next, who's in spring awakening, but we want to keep working with all those actors who were in 13 as well. I mean, that's why we're looking at Charlie Brown and, and the Christmas line and so many other shows. And this show spring awakening is opening September 18th. Um, live streaming and this is for the for its first weekend it's it's a real live stream correct i mean it's happening yeah. in the theater yeah. in real time as i'm watching it from home you are watching it live on the 18th 19th and 20th um there'll be a link at eastdallasarts.org and then the next weekend the 25th 26th and 27th we're going to have an on-demand version available that you can watch on demand and it'll be the best of all three combined. So we'll be able to go in and, and edit and get the best version to, to show the audience. And then, you know, it'll be gone because this, you know, we are still following the rules of, of you know, of rights. And so you've got the mm -hmm. chance to watch it live. You got the chance to watch it on demand those three days. And then it's gone, never to be seen again, just like it would be a live show. You catch the show or, or you don't. Explain to me a little bit more about what MTI then is is doing to help with this live stream. What is their part in it? it are, have they made it easy for you? Oh, yo, they've definitely made it easy for us. Uh, they've been a fantastic company to work with um, throughout this. And this isn't this yeah, isn't they, a plug for MTI. I'm just thinking other people no, are trying to do the same. They want to keep putting on shows, so that's why I think it's an interest. No, you know, a lot of theater, a lot of these um, companies have been able to. Um, send out ways and show us which shows are available for streaming because the author or the publisher, you know, they have the right to say, no, I don't want my show streamed. So you have to pick from a, a much smaller list of shows. The other thing is we, not only do we have to pick from a smaller list of shows, but then we have to look at those shows and go, what works with, with our staging? You know, we're not just saying we're streaming a show that would be normal without an audience. We're, being much more cautious and putting them inside these plexiglass containers. So um, 
but MTI, they've again, they they've made it to where we simply can put a link on our website or on our Facebook and other places. You go to that link, you click on it, and you're taken to a, a one of their websites with a company that I think they're working with um, to you know that we will be streaming directly to to watch your show. So they've yeah. made it really easy, so you you can see that and everything. That's good to know because yeah, it's 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 a way that all theaters might have to adapt to, to, to be able to get going yeah. again. And I, so to make it easy, I think is, is such a good, good thing. Yeah. I know that other companies don't have that access. So the fact that MTI has that, so as long as you have someone who can, you know, film and upload it, you don't have to worry about having that site. And so that really helps, you know, with these, with some of these other shows that we're that you know, I've written or we're collaborating on, um, we'll actually be able to stream those from our own site and mm-hmm. stream those directly to you. And then we'll also be able to sell you those shows if you want to just watch them anytime, because, because I don't care about those rights as much as, you know, Duncan Sheik cares about Spring Awakening. Right. <laughs> so at that point, you know, I can do more on demand shows for that. Thank you so much for talking with me today. I, I'm, more than excited to see this show and and share it because it's i i've been i've been really enjoying those seeing how theaters are adapting people are getting so creative and with each new idea it's like someone has come up with something completely new and that's what you've done i haven't seen anyone else yet just put actors in boxes well thank you you know i think that we're all rising to the challenge you know i I know I, I said this to you the other day when we first met, but theater has survived the bubonic plague. It has survived world wars. It has survived, you know, the rise of nations, the fall of nations. It's been around for as long as, as history has been around. And we're going to continue to find ways. And I think that at the end of the day, we're going to look back at this moment and see that not only did we survive, but it, it brought us to new heights on being and, and also understanding the importance of needing it in our lives. And hopefully audiences will, when we, when we do come back to live audiences, they're going to, to race to get in there to, to meet and sit next to your, sit next to a stranger again and watch art. Spring Awakening at East Dallas Arts is live streaming from September 18th through the 20th. Then you can stream the recording the following weekend. I'm adding a link to get tickets at eastdallasarts.org. See the description wherever you are listening or watching this podcast. Thanks so much. See you next time.